Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 254 of the Keep Moving Forward podcast with me, your host, Anthony DiDomenico, coming to you live every Monday night, live on Facebook, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm not live on Instagram tonight. I do apologize to anybody who watched the show over on Instagram, but my uh, cable or something is not working. You guys can't hear my guests, so what's the point of going live? You just hear me say every other word, and then the whole podcast out of the corner of my eye, I see I can't hear anything. So I'll figure that out, and I'll get it working, hopefully, for the next guest I have. But tonight we're live on Facebook. As always, though, the podcast is available at anchor.fm slash KMF podcast. Also on our new website, check it out. www.kmfpodcast.com. But as always, the podcast is available on iTunes. And while you're there, please don't forget to five-star rate and review. I love reading reviews. I love sharing on social media and bragging about the best podcast listeners out there. And that is you guys. We have bonus episodes over on Patreon, patreon.com slash KMF podcast. New bonus episodes get put up each month. Check them out. Patreon.com slash KMF podcast. The best tasting built bar. Uh, well, not the best tasting built bar for me is peanut butter. But anyway, the best tasting protein bar on the market is built bar. Check them out. Builtbar.com. Use code WWO podcast. Save yourself at least 10% off your order. Sail away coffee. They got the new sleigh ride flavor just for Christmas. It is absolutely delicious. I think. I think maple uh, vanilla is still available, but check it out. Go to sailawaycoffee.com. Use code WWBRO10. You will save 10% off your order. My buddy John Ziegler is on Instagram. This is a big thing. He swore he'd never do it, but he's there. Check him out at John Ziegler Comedy. And while you're there, click the link in his bio for his new special, John Ziegler Getting My Affairs in Order. And uh, me and John Ziegler, as well as Brian McKenna and Dan Barry, will be at the Belmore Firehouse Saturday, February 4th, more details to come. But listen, I don't have a lot of Long Island shows. So if you're in the Long Island area, Belmore Firehouse, February 4th, I'll get you all the information as we get closer, but we got a killer lineup for that. With that being said, I am joined tonight by not just my best friend, my hetero life mate, but my partner in this journey, my best friend, Nick Raystone. What's going on, brother? I'm just putting on some, yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm doing good. I actually have, a, I have to ask you a question. Sure. What happened to your cable, dude? Did you break it to sweet marges? You're <laughs> sick in the head. No. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I had to get it out of the way. Give a shout out to her. The uh, This part broke here. The It just it came apart and I put it together myself and it just doesn't work. I got to figure something else. There's got to be a better way to do it. Of course. I mean, I see people go live all the time on Instagram with these fancy things. I, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm doing the best I can with what I got. Well, dude, I mean, you're doing it, man. I mean, I don't eat or drink any of the shit that you just plugged, but I want to. Well, that, you, I don't know if you like if you're a big coffee guy like I am. I love I drink monsters, dude. Yeah, dude. see, I can't, I can't Terrible. do that. High blood pressure, and I drink monsters. High blood pressure. You drink monsters. Does it work? Is it getting it down? Maybe it's like the counter effect. <laughs> I've been drinking these for like 10 years, so I just, it's like my coffee in the morning. I mean, I used to drink like two or three of them, but I definitely cut those down. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just my coffee. But tonight I didn't want to be like, you know, nodding off and shit on here. So I Oh, thank I you. I appreciate that. Monster. Yeah. I appreciate that. And you can follow Nick on Instagram over at Nizza6. 
his band Demon Scar at Demon Scar Band. And it's a, it's a great time to follow Nick and his band Demon Scar. they got a lot of exciting things coming up. And one thing we're going to plug and get, I want to talk about this. This is, this is huge. You guys are playing the Whiskey A Go-Go, the world-famous Whiskey A Go-Go in North Hollywood. Is it North Hollywood or West Hollywood? West, West Hollywood. I'm, I apologize. West Hollywood, California on December 9th. How amazing is this? And how can people get tickets if they're in the area? Um, day of show, slide my DMs. I got a couple extra. Um, you can get them now on the website, whiskeyagogo.com. Uh, we've been sharing it like every day, um, promoting it the hell out of it. Uh, it's a great lineup. Uh, so you could find the link on any of our, um, websites, you know, like Instagram or, uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, so yeah, that's, uh, so 30 years in the making, bro, you know, me for almost that long. And this is, um, I don't know. It's no, like it's dream come true. Huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It really is. Well, since it's I met you a long, long road, dude. I mean, I met you, I first met you like in junior high, but we first became friends in high school and this is even yeah. before you were in a band or did anything with a band. You always said, I want to play the whiskey. I want to play the whiskey. That's my dream is to one day play the whiskey. And you think about like, and this is the thing we were talking about, like dreams and like, you know, everybody thinks a dream has to be something that's so unattainable. Like I want to be world famous. I want to be in movies. I want, that's not as, as unattainable as you think, but like I'm just saying, it doesn't always have to be winning the lotto. It could be something that, you know, dreams come true just from hard work, the grind, and putting in the hours. I mean, think about it. Like I said, 25 years yeah, to get to this point. Time, dude. Just a lot of crazy experiences getting to this point. Um, people not believing in me, people believing in me. But most of all, uh, I believe in myself to get myself to this point. And I'm not like being like a prick and patting myself on the back. It's just... I wouldn't get to this point. I'm very thankful for everyone that's gone on the journey with me, you know, from my first band up until now. And it's like my first band came first circle because the first band I ever played with, you saw us. Tangent, through, yeah. Uh, we were Tangent. And I'm doing it with, with Craig. And Craig has been a vital part of my life for a long time. And uh, I'm so like psyched that I get to do it with him too, because he shares the same enthusiasm as me and our drummer, you know, I only know him for uh, the past couple of years, but when the world shut down and went to shit, we got real close, not that close, but close. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, we've just, you know, just life has gotten crazy for all three of us over the last couple of years. And we still put all that aside to get to this point to uh, go out to the West Coast and um, show them what Demon Scar from New York is all about. It's it's incredible. Like you said, I, I was there from the first time you picked up a bass, actually, you know, before you were in a band. And I didn't even know how to play, dude. No. I, I, honestly, I didn't know, know how to start playing until Dirty came mm -hmm. into my life again. And at that point, he showed me... Uh, just open chords and stuff. So I played that for a while and then I took lessons and then uh, just got to the point where I am now. 
So, I still don't even think I know how to play. I just, you know, I'll do it. Nah, you you can play now. Come on. So <laughs> I, I'm gonna give people a little history of um of how you got here, and this is this is humbling beginnings. You know, you t- talk about humble beginnings. So at first, you didn't play an instrument. You sang. You were the singer yeah. in Tangent, like I said with Craig. And I remember when you started playing bass. Um, the Block Brothers. The Block Brothers. And what was the name of that band? Uh, it was Always the Crash. Always the Crash, yes. I remember Always the Crash. You started playing bass in Always the Crash. Uh, I wish you'd bring back that song, Joey. Um, oh, Chasing Joey. Chasing yeah, Joey. to uh, Joey Lauren Adams from uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Chasing Amy. Exactly. It's like a shout-out and tribute to her. And I wrote that back then, and... That was probably between that and uh, there was another song called Vossi. Um, some local people might even know who she is. She uh, <laughs> she used to work at the Levittown Lowe's and she gave me popcorn for matinees sometimes. And I thought she was cute. So I'm like, I'm never going to talk to this girl because I don't have the balls to. That's like your oh, quick check girl, though. That's the quick check girl song. It's like, you yeah, know, it, is. You, it really is. Yeah. So Vossi was about her. That's and, uh, those two songs. Uh, which great were great songs. I, I remember those songs very well. I remember sitting in the recording studios uh, that you guys, the studios you guys rented out, and many Sunday nights um, watching the band. And then, like you had, so you got into Hollow. You mentioned Dirty. Um, yeah, well, we all went I to reached high- out to him because uh, that's when I started doing the uh, the public access show. Well, also I was fired from your show. <laughs> I'm fired from my show. We'll get we'll get into that in a second. Hold on. So you originally, so go back with Dirty. You actually posted a picture from the talent show from Metham High School, nineteen ninety six. Yeah, I, I remember that. Um, you guys did did that those. changed my life, dude. That, so that was it. That was that it was on stage singing. The first taste. First taste. I just it. remember, dude. Like the shit hit the fan as soon right before we we're going on stage. Like the. Uh, the PA started like cracking and like me and him practiced for months, dude. And we got it down perfect. And then all of a sudden this goes to show you that it'll never go as planned, you know? And I got my first tasted out on my first, very first time. So I just remember that the PA sucked and the curtain opened and it was the whole fucking school there, dude. And it was just like, I still get chills thinking about it, man. Like, just the roar of the crowd. And then like, at that point, no one even knew I could sing. So I was just a wild, crazy bastard running around screaming shit and doing <laughs> disgusting things. And then I started singing, knocking on heaven's door. And I just remember the roar of the crowd again <clears throat> for like the first time I started like the first line. And that just, I don't even know. That just blew my mind that I'm like, I need more of that. Oh, and, yeah, I, uh, I know yeah. that feeling. So, and then we ended up winning. That was cool, man. I don't even think we deserved to win, but I think it did, just the initial reaction from the crowd, I think that's what made us win. I, you know what? I've known you now almost 30 years. That's the first. I didn't know you guys won because you were so pissed. Yeah. That the Dude, I was devastated. I was crying, bro, like afterwards. I'm like, we worked so fucking hard, and the fucking PA sucked. And then all of a sudden, we're sitting in the crowd, me and Dirty. And we're looking at each other, and they're, like, announcing the winners and everything. They're, like, in third place, whatever. Then, And then it was a tie between us, and the cheerleaders did, like, some kick line so, thing with the kick liners and stuff. So it was a tie. This is where and I first said, saw Diablo. <laughs> Dude, so, like, they go, 
<laughs> it's a tie between them, you know, whatever song they did, and Dan Weber, Nick Greystone, and there's a dude, Matt Scalato, who did it with us. Yeah. And we just looked at each other and we're like, holy shit, dude, we just won. Like, we went nuts. Somebody we somebody said up, to uh, you, yeah, but somebody said to you, if the PA didn't mess up, you would have won, and you grabbed him. Like, <laughs> like, you know, you got this. Yeah, I was so mad, dude. <laughs> I was crushed. I don't even know who said that shit to me. Do I don't remember? know who said it either. I don't, even... I, I don't remember who said it. I just remember that was the first time I saw Diablo. Like, it like actually, yeah. like, come out. Like, I've seen you mad before, but, like, you, like, you grabbed this kid, and, like, it's like in the scene from the movies where you throw him up against the lockers, and, you're, like, you're shaking him. Like, it was... I was because, dude, like I was like at that point, it was the biggest thing going on in my life. Like I wanted to just to have that awesome moment and per- make it perfect, and it just didn't go as planned. But we still, you know, I guess we were still good enough to win. Uh, yeah, things don't always go as planned. As we will get, we'll get into that as as the podcast goes on. Um, from that though, I what I my most vivid memory of you on stage. Well, actually, there's two more. Um, the- I know which one of them is. So this is now you're in a band with Dirty. You formed the band Hollow, and it's your first show. And this, this I'm telling the story not just to get a laugh, but because it shows you from where you were on night one to where you are now, less than a week away from playing the whiskey in Hollywood. So I remember you guys were playing. It was Dirty's guitar solo. You put your bass down, and you go get a drink. And I remember turning... Chris and Joey, our friends Chris, Chris and Joey, and I said, that guitar is going to fall. And he's like, what? I go, it's, he put it on the speaker. It's vibrating. That thing's going to tip over somehow. And there it is. It goes over, knocks Dirty's cord out. There's no sound. And everybody turns and looks at you and you're like, huh? Like, at the bar. It, yeah. was, it was almost over night one. Yeah, it was. <laughs> almost. I got to talking to then. And I still haven't really learned my lesson because there's always, you know, <laughs> either I drink too much or previous lives I would do something too much or whatever and I would not be able to perform as good as I would going up there, you know, level-headed. So I just know that uh, that time he was like, dude, you can't get fucking wrecked before you go on stage. But at that point, it was like a comfort thing. Like I had to get drunk because yeah. I felt like, to work the nerve up to get up there and do it, you know? And like now, uh, now it's kind of like, you know, I'll have a couple before I go up and then I'll, you know, hang out afterwards. But I try to, um, stay on this side of that. He's rumbling on the stage. The bass rumbling on the stage. I shouldn't drink before I play. And yes. I shouldn't drink before I play. Well, well I was going to say, like, you know, it's, I apologize to people listening. I know this might, Jumped around on the podcast listening device, but uh, my stream yard just like decided to crash during the middle of this. So um, I'm going to make sure the cursor is away from that. What? Always the crash. Always the crash. Talking about always the crash. Um, so Nick, we were talking about Nick's first time, first time with Hollow on stage, and you know I've seen it with comics too. They they get bombed before they go on, and I had that once where I drank before I went on stage. I was doing an open mic. And I wasn't driving that night. Somebody had picked me up and I started drinking. It was actually at the old revolution, Ollie's point. It was Ollie's point at that time. Yep. And they did like $5 pitchers. So I was just drinking pitchers of beer and I got a little, little intoxicated and I did my whole set in like two minutes. Like I just sped through it. And it was just like, I'm like, okay, I have to have like a clear, 
um, mind for this. Some guys like to get, you know, a little slosh before they go on stage, and uh, everybody's different. Um, yeah. But really, since that time, that, that was it. You will focus from then on. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, you know, I've definitely had shows that were better than others because I, you know, pushed it a little. But uh, for the most part, um, yeah, no, I uh, pretty much uh, focused, you know, sticking sticking to uh, playing, uh, you know, trying to uh, make the music more important and getting, you know, wasted. And, and Hollow had a great run. I mean, you guys, how long were you guys together for? Um. Hardcore, we were together about seven years, maybe eight years, and then uh, Dirty ended up moving, and then uh, then we would just have like you know here in gigs, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, oh, Christmas gigs. night, Christmas night gigs. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. We played uh, like two or three of those. Um, I actually think the last Hollow gig was on Christmas Eve. Um, 10 years ago. I think it was too. I think it was at Farrell's. Yeah. We played with the eggplant Queens. Yeah. Which and if you're from Belmore, that's a legendary band. Um, around that, that time, Dave Dramont and the play more. I would love to see them play one more, you know, one more gig, but, uh, some of the guys have moved away and everything. And, uh, just like one of those things, you can't really do it without everyone involved. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it goes. You know, bands are bands are tricky. You know, everyone's got to be in. Everyone's got to be all in. And you know, and and uh, when one guy moves away or something happens, it's it's tough to recover. You know, to how do you replace somebody that you know you don't think is replaceable? So that uh, curveball was thrown at, at Demon Scar too. Uh, early on, we you know we did the first two EPs, and then all of a sudden there were talks. You know, I was I was ready to get to move to uh, North Carolina. Had I gone to North Carolina, who the hell knows what would have happened? And I don't know if uh, we would have continued to record. Who the hell knows? I don't know, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of going to get into a little bit here with, you know, going down, kind of giving the lineage here of your bands. You know the bands, and let's speed up to Demon Scar. Um, uh, and we'll get we'll go in and out of that stuff. So you're in Demon Scar now. You guys are rolling. And you said your life has a funny way. Of kind of like coming in, good or bad, and kind of like you know heading you towards a different direction. Absolutely. Um, you know, like before Demon Scar, I was doing you know uh, MFU and Death Proof, and um, I gotta say when I was in MFU, um, that was very it, it kept me busy, it kept me going, but I was also in a very self destructive part of my life and uh i'm happy that i got out of that not that not that you know i don't miss those you know miss my bandmates and everything you know i i developed long life friendships you know john john castiglia one of my great friends uh we went on to play in death proof together with howard and uh you know i had i was very close with uh my my buddy scott um that was in MFU. He had brought me in and, uh, we had some great times. We also had really, uh, some really rough times and, um, we don't talk as much anymore, but that doesn't mean I, I don't love the guy, you know? No. But, yeah. You definitely, I mean, I liked MFU. It was a, it was a fun band. You guys were a fun group to be around. Um, 
they got me going again, dude. You know what? Because, like, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't playing in hollow because, you know, Dirty had left, and I didn't know musically what I wanted to do. And I felt like uh, the music was a little less serious and a lot more fun. And I had a lot of fun writing those tunes. You know, they were, and, yeah, you guys wrote some fun songs and good songs too. I mean, you guys, uh, and here's the thing I'll, I'll, and I'll kind of like, I'll put you over a little bit here. Um, and this is a testament to you and your ability. You know, you, you're always quick to put yourself down. Like, you know, said, I don't play, I still can't play bass. Stop it. But every band you go to, you seem to elevate. And I'm, I'm I, I, you know, when you first met Dirty, Dirty was, Dirty was, uh, Doing jam bands, you know, phenomenal guitarist. You brought out like this other side of him where he started wailing on the guitar. You guys started writing some really kick ass rock and roll and it kind of elevated. You went to MFU. I didn't really hear too much of their stuff before, but you know, you were playing first their songs. Not that their songs aren't good, but you started adding your flavor into it and it brought it up that way too. Um, and I even see what you're doing now from when you first started playing with Craig to what you're doing now. You guys, it's it's just you're elevating everything. I think they feed off of you in a way. It's infectious. You know, like kind of like when you were hanging out. I mean, we're bouncing shit off each other all the time. It's it's, it's that, that attitude that you have. Do you see that in yourself at all? Are you gonna can you give yourself any credit? Um I mean, if I'm feeling it, I could write like it's effortless, you know. Just recently, um, Craig sent over a, uh, a riff, and I listened to it once. Halfway through it, I'm like on my notes in my phone listening to it. Yeah. And just type. And the next thing I know, I have a whole song. And it's like five minutes later. And I sent it to him. And it's basically, I wrote all the verses to it. Uh, I got to come up with like the chorus part. And it's just, he knew exactly what to send me. Like Craig is great like that. Like he'll write something with the intent of me like getting into like the hook of it. And it's, we compliment each other. Great. You know, he's a great writing partner that way. And um, when I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it. You know, like there was another song that we're going to release in January that Craig sent to me. That's, totally nothing we've done before and it's like in, inspired by tool and now i like tool you know i've you saw them with me once um yeah Palooza i was tricked into going to okay yeah i'm not a diehard tool fan but uh there's this vibe to the song and i know my drummer jared first of all jared's a great drummer dude but he also has a sick voice and he, he front he's a front man of another band he uh does a uh all covers uh 90s alternative band called alt x and he can sing dude he's got range and he's got good uh screaming abilities and everything so as soon as i heard this i'm like i gotta have jared on this i want to hear him sing on this song and that's what we did and dude it's something so different and it's great and i want to do that like like how kiss did it yeah this is some of Kiss's stuff that they put out. Some of my favorite stuff is sung by Ace Frehley and Peter Chris. You know, like, I love those other guys, but, like, you know, in my top five, Ace Frehley's solo album, I love it. They would hate it because that's, like, a 
ego thing to them, but like, <laughs> but yeah. whatever. That's my preference, and I I like to I like to show I want to showcase that in Demon's Cry. I want to show that everyone could do something different, not only as their part. You know, they they, they could step out and he could sing the lead on that. Dude, there's a song Frankenbride that Craig still will not sing it live, and I push him to sing it all the time, and he's just like, <clears throat> eh, you know, no, we don't do it, you know, whatever, and the the recorded version of it. I, I wish I had video of it because like he goes to a place and he just becomes something totally different. When that dude steps on stage, he's not the quiet dude that, you know, walking around, you know, he becomes meds. He he's does. Yeah. Shreds, and he's a meg. He's just a, a beast up there. And I love that, dude. I love that about Craig. Miller. It's it's he, not the Craig that I I knew from high school or from no, you growing know up. Than- yeah, yeah. Look around the block. Like I I've known him, and he was always a quiet dude. Like he was always very quiet, and you know, and and when you told me you were in a band with him at first, like this is going back now twenty something years, I was like, he plays guitar. Like I didn't even think he could talk. Like you know, like <laughs> and then like you see him up there, and no, he's a very quiet, reserved, but like he. uh just like um, off the stage too, and just like with with you, man. Like I have my safe places I can go when I'm feeling down in the dumps, and I can just open up. And those two channels, man. It's either I'll I probably sometimes hit both of you up because like I'd like to hear different points of view on it and stuff. And yeah, he's definitely like uh, that go to guy, man. I know that. Uh, he he would be there for me in an instant, and it's the same. Hundred percent, hundred percent, he would. Um, yeah. And you said you kind of came to Demon Scar. You know, it's it's funny that the name. I don't know if I just kind of thought about this today. I was I was thinking of the. Um, the was the, does the name have any significant meaning to you? Because uh, I thought of something I, today. It's like you know, back, it's like a throwback to like the old movie called the omen it's the antichrist he has the mark of the beast so that's the demon scar uh when we were kicking around names and everything we were thinking of like different stuff and uh craig actually is the one that came up with it demon scar and i think he had it when he first said it as one word and i'm like put it together yeah and cool and then we went on that i think it's like the app called fiverr or something and we got the uh, graphics for like the logo or whatever. And the guy sent it back. That's always the first thing. We're always like, yeah, that's cool. We'll do that. Major decisions, you know, we say yes to like right away. First take on the song. Yeah, you know what? I think it feels good. Let's put it out. You know, the WWE podcast logo was the first take on a fiver itself. I did the same thing. I sent the guy what I was kind of looking for. Yeah, he sent it back. T-shirts. I have my humidor. My cigar humidor has got the logo on it. It'll forever be something. I'm. It's a part of me. Um, but you know, I was kind of thinking. I was thinking this today as I was going through, like you know, um, especially like you know your past and everything. I mean, everybody battles their demons, and I thought yeah. maybe it was because that you know the scar that's left, demon scar, like something like that. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Dude, I, I have so many. Um, yeah so many tales of craziness throughout my whole life that all these songs are very uh, autobiographical for me. 
they're always dealing with something that went on with me. Um, uh, for instance, Distant Lies, we still play that. And when we were going through our songs that we were going to pick, because we only have 30 minutes to play at the Whiskey, we're trying to figure out what songs. And Distant Lies in every band that I've played in has always stood out because it's not like anything else. No. And I remember pitching it to Craig and I'm like, dude, remember Distant Lies? Like, yeah, dude, I remember you used to play it in like the other band and everything. And I'm like, why don't you give a crack at it? I want to see what you got. And he came back with something on it. I'm like, whoa, dude. And it still didn't get to the point to where it is now because then Jared, when he joined, he started playing on it and he does this breakdown in the middle. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is it. <laughs> I'm like, now it's finally there. Like, it's finally ready to be recorded because this is only up until Demon Scar is the first time that I ever recorded that tune. And um, I'm so happy to play that because, dude, that that was a scary point in my life when I wrote that song, man. I was in my 20s. I had no idea what the hell was life was giving me. I was in dead-end jobs. You feared for me for a while because yeah. I was a fucking very low point, man, and it sucked. And uh, I wrote that song as more or less as a cry for help. Yeah, you um, just as a friend, you know, and we've all we've seen like that's one of the you know, I guess why our friendship is so strong. We've seen each other through uh, both times for each other with that ups ups and downs and and every which way that it can go. And yeah, no, we were we were we were worried about you. It was you know you were saying scary shit, and you know if you know it's it's great. You know we live in a time now where people are more proactive with that. You know. Where, you know, yeah. we probably would have called somebody at some point. You know, we were just, but again, you were kids ourselves. We didn't, you know, you don't know. You know, you, you just, you don't know how, you know, but it's true. We all, we all go through those times where we're at our lowest and we don't think there's the next level to I'm get up a, past. I'm one of those people that care more about others. So I think that had something to do with it a lot, man, that I didn't follow through with what I wanted to do, no. you know? just knew that that it would wreck everyone around me. So I just thought about other people, even before myself it was like, you know, uh, you early, this is like early in your life, dude. Like I was talking to myself and I was just like, this is early in your life and you're thinking about ending it right now. And what's it going to do to, you know, to my parents or my brother or, you know, people who really give a shit about me. And I thought about them first. And, um, yeah, man, I'm just happy to be here for that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it's, you know, we're all happy here, too. I mean, it's I couldn't imagine what, you know, the next 20, some, 20 years would have been. You know, it's it's crazy. Yeah. You know, I don't think I'm getting through some of the things that I've gotten through. I mean, you're always the first. You're always the first call. I mean, it's you know, it's it's and anything bad, good or big, good or bad happens. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I mean, I think about that too. You know, a lot of the times when and I've come on here and I bawled my eyes out about you know things about how I'm you know how it affects other th people and and things like that. So I, I get I'm the same way too. Like I, um, I guess I'm an empath in that way where I I feel you are the same as me. You cut that way, bro. Yeah. You know, we we have something. Maybe it was the way we were raised. 
most likely that's what it is. Uh, you know, just selfless people, you know, and just uh, always caring about everyone else but yourself. And, you know, the life roller coaster that I've been on for the last couple of years, um, I finally got a little selfish. Yeah. And I did put more time into myself. And I'm glad I did that too, because now the most important piece of my life counts on me every day. That's my kid. Yeah. You know, I've been very emotional this whole week, dude. Like I've told you, I cried every single day last week. I cried today. I'm probably going to cry on this fucking podcast. Well, but, I, I do it all the time. I mean, it's yeah. a good, it's a good place to cry. I know it is. I know it is. And like, yeah, man, it's just, this time of year also with the holidays rolling around and you think about memories and everything growing up, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there growing up, you know, I've, I've always been a fan of movies and stuff. And one of my favorite movies, there's a really dark part of it and it's gremlins. And it's when, um, Phoebe Kate starts talking about her dad dying on Christmas and she puts this whole dark, sad thing in it and i'm like why the fuck are they going here like this is such a cool happy movie and i didn't get it as a kid man but now holy shit dude that rings so many bells dude and it really is the the holidays are a very very trying time you know absolutely i mean i go through it every year um and going through it for almost 15 years you know my mom passed my my grandmother passed away right before christmas of 2007 and um my mom passed away you know in july of 2008 and that first christmas was it was tough it was it was hard you know and it's still hard last year i didn't even grieve my dad he died in october towards the end of october and i was in such a fucking fucked up place at that point already with you know my divorce and everything and you know just making sure zoe was okay and making sure my mom was all right. Cause you know, she's going through a tough time too. And like, you know, I was just being the Nick, you know, and I wasn't thinking about it and I was always on the run. I feel like I'm, when I'm always on the run, I can't stop to think. And what happened was I got COVID um, right after Christmas. I actually got it on Christmas and leading into new year's. And I laid in bed that whole week and holy shit, dude, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I felt like shit to begin with because I was sick. But then all those thoughts came into my head. And I was just like, oh, dude, like I just, it was crushing. Like I, I just, you know, and then this year putting up the tree and just thinking my dad's voice echoing in my head. He always said, you know, you're going to look back one day and you're going to be like, you know, uh, you'll learn. He'll always say, you'll learn, boy. You know, like, and he would do that. And, like, I think about that. I think about it every day. I talk to him every day. I got his, uh, I got a little necklace hanging in my car. And I just, whenever I, you know, I think about him, I go in there and say what's up, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I talk to him all the constantly. It's, you know, something I'll do forever, you know? And, like you said, like, you, sometimes you got to take a, a step back and, like, maybe, you know, you, of course, you don't want to get COVID, but, like you said, you had a lot. You had a lot of things going on at once. You know, yeah. your, your, your dad, your divorce, and you know now you're dealing with this new situation. And you know, you got your kid um, taking care of your mom, and it's like 
you know, maybe your father intervened a little bit and was like, hey, take a step back. We'll figure this out. You know, you got to think about little signs. Like, that's what I do. And that's it helps me out. And um, since then. 45 years to listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> it takes... Almost 45 years to listen to him. Like, but... you know, obviously I listen to him in certain points in my life. But to really listen to him, to really take his advice. And he was always said, calm down, son. Just calm down and think about it. And then, you know, you'll be all right. And you know what, though? Since then. This this year has been. I've known you, like I said. I I first met you in junior high back in '92, and going and we really became friends in high school. And, and go this year, I've I've probably I've never seen you so dedicated, focused, and just eye on the prize, and just taking care of yourself too. Like you said, you're very. You said like you're you had to be a little selfish, but you're also the most selfless person. And you, I mean, I. I don't know how if anybody encompasses that more than you. Like your daughter is is you is your everything, and you do everything for her, and you make sure she has everything. But you're also, I gotta, I'm here too. I gotta do things for myself as well. And you have a great balancing act with that. And you and what's great too is that she's into the same things you're into, and you guys have that relationship. You're taking her to the conventions, and she's into the movies and everything. So. Did that just happen like over time or do you, th- was that, or is just like, I guess she's your daughter and this is what she's going to be into. I didn't force it onto her. I mean, I did take her early on, but then I just let her kind of do it how I did it. You know, I opened the door for her, showed her some stuff. And then, you know, she started, you know, asking about more stuff, you know, like, Oh, what's that? I want to hear this. So like now, like, you know, like, with the music and everything. And I have her in uh, theater class now acting. And, you know, now she wants to take a step back from the theater class and start playing drums again. And that's her. I don't push her for it. You know, I want her to be happy. So uh, I can't ask for a better kid, man. Like, you know what? As much as my life has been upside down and everything, she may be too young to realize, but hers was too. You know, she had a lot of life-altering events happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. And uh, you wouldn't even know, man. You know, and I did one thing that my dad never did to me, and I can't say anything bad about him about this, but um, my dad was always my dad. He was my father, you know, and great. I'll never, you know, say anything you know, he obviously had like his ways or whatever, and he was set in his ways and he was stubborn, just like me. But um, I took my mom's approach with something with my daughter and uh, I try to keep on pushing it. And that's I told my kid that, look, I'm your father and, you know, I expect you to just p- treat people with like respect and everything, but also in the same sense. I'm your friend and I want you to come to me if you yeah. ever feel anything, whatever it is, because daddy's never going to be mad at you with anything. I may be disappointed, but being mad and I, you know, that's not it. She may not get all those words, but she does, dude. I yeah. feel like she, she knows what's up, man. She knows that I got her back like that. And I want to be her friend, man. Like I, I need that. I need that, that friendship as well as, my uh, you know, being her dad, 
because I feel like kids um, have a lot of stuff that they're scared to open up about. And I don't want it to close and like harbor feelings and stuff. I want them to be outspoken. She's seven years old, dude. And she can work a room like I've never seen. Like, oh, yeah, she can. She's got that DNA, and I know yeah. where that DNA came from, you know? Absolutely. 100%. Work room her whole life. My brother came in. He worked the room. I worked that same room, and now my kid's doing the same thing. And it's just like she's even taking it a step further, man, because, like, she's just, uh, you know, I can't say. I know everyone thinks they have the greatest kid in the world, but, you know, she uh, she is great. I mean, I, I... she is a, a true gift. I hate getting biblical with stuff, but she is a gift from God, dude. Like God gave me her and said, this is your prize, you know, hold on to it and just treat her right. And, you know, I, I think I'm going to get rewarded. I've already gotten rewarded from it. Oh, and you get you get a lot more rewards. I mean, just the beginning, you're just scratching the surface with that. But it's, it's, it's funny how you said the thing about your dad, who's your dad. Like we were talking about this actually last night, at this, the other day at the cigar lounge. They were talking about that, like how one guy was like, my father was my father. That was like, you know, we get along great and everybody. He was my, I, 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 and to me, like I never had, my father was always my friend and my mom too. Like my, you hung out my dad. My dad's the coolest guy to hang out with. Like, I mean, I don't think it's, yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I don't think anybody's a better time than my dad. Like seriously. Great. I love hanging out with your pops, man. It's always a great time. Brian McKenna always says, he goes, how is your dad so cool? And this is how you turned out. Like, he's always like, you know, jokes around. Like, how is it, you know, it's like, it because <laughs> he is though. He's very easygoing. Like, he just, he's, he's a blast. And, you know, my parents, you know, it was a fine line though. We knew respect and we knew, you know, to respect our parents. Kind of like the same thing you're doing with your kid. Um, but when it was time to get serious, it was time to get serious. And you didn't want to see that side. So, um uh, like, you know, there's a certain part of my dad that I don't know, a part of his life. You know, it's, I wish I would have known this, that, that stuff. Yeah. It's going to remain a mystery to me um, because my mother, like me, is an open book and maybe I know way fucking too much, you know, but like she's my friend. So that's what I'm going to, you know. Well, you know what it is? They come from a different generation. Like, like the guys at the, we were kind of like, I was, and I said to my friend Tommy at the lounge, I'm like, you know, it's kind of like we're talking, but. These guys were like our parents' age, so it's like their parents are even more like you know this is the line, and there's not like you know. So I guess you know, but you, I mean, I see if I'm an outsider, I saw the the you guys. I always thought you guys had a great relationship, and um, that was funny. I don't think if you knew how funny he was, but he he had some great lines. Oh no, yeah, definitely was, and you know what? Like me and my brother say it all the time. We're so happy that he pushed on to us. Make sure you, you you know, you get a job that has benefits and has, uh, you know, like a pension and everything because uh, you don't want to be on your back lane and your 70s doing hard labor or something that has no payoff at the end. And you know what, man? Like, that is priceless information that he had given us. Yeah. You know, I, uh, that I'm very appreciative of, and my brother is too. Like you know, we always say that about our father. It, it was great. Inf- it was great. Uh, great influence on that, you know. Oh, absolutely. He was definitely. Uh, I remember, you know, some of the talks you, you got and stuff, and 
Um, some of them, like we, we laugh about now, but you know, he definitely, you know, we was, and he talked, people listened that we, he, and he had, uh, he yeah, definitely. he, you know what? He could park a room in a different way. He could make that room listen. And, you know, most of the time it made sense, you know, like most of the time, like you would say something that would come true, like months or years later, I told you. Yep. I told you happening. You know, it's true. I remember one time too. This is like playing Mulcahy's once. I had a sick show. We opened up for Sebastian Bach. Uh, it was a hollow gig. It was packed. Everyone was there. Uh, I got off the stage. Everyone was like, ah, fucking great, man. You know, do a shot with me, hanging out. And I'm like going through the crowd, trying to get to everyone, like my family and stuff. Cause everyone was there, you know? So, you know, uh, I get to my brother, high five. My mom hugged me and everything. I get to my dad, and my dad's like, um, just don't quit your day job, son. So I'm like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, you totally took the wind out of my sail. And for years, that was like a fucking sick burn to me. And I was just like, always like, why the fuck would he say that in my moment of glory? But I get it. He did not want me because that's when I had just gotten into the post office. I had just got out of that rut that I was in. Whether he, whether I went to him because I didn't go to him when I was depressed, I didn't go to my parents about that shit. They see it though. They, they. He, so I'm thinking that he saw me on this high. And that he thought I was going to, like, piss it away and, like, just end up quitting my job and, like, leaving and fucking going to wherever, you know, live in a car and try to play music for, you know. So, yeah, what he was saying was it wasn't just don't quit your day job like you're not good at this. He's saying, hey, you just got it together. Keep it together. Yeah. That was his way of saying that. And it did, you know, and I, I, I totally get it now. And I'm, I'm happy he said that, you know. I was happy that music has brought me to um you know one of the most memorable things that i ever did it was a great honor to do it my my uh godfather passed away and he had come to my wedding and he was terminally ill with my godmother and we played knocking on heaven's door and he loved it and he was standing there watching it and when he passed away my aunt hit me up and she was like we're doing a service and i want you to play it dude it was the hardest song to ever play for 40 people sitting in a church. But I think I may have seen my dad tear up twice, maybe three times in my life. Yeah. That was one of them, you know, and like just to give him that, it was like to his best friend. No, he definitely gave give him that was one of the greatest things I could ever musically did. You think uh, about not dude, let it out. This is what, we're here to do like you said it's been an emotional week there's a lot leading up to this you're turning 45 this week you're coming off of a year that would have broke many you think about it we're talking in the beginning of this podcast about how at 20 something you had those thoughts about ending it all yeah and what really and like you know I'm not I'm not minimizing anything that was because that's real but you went through fucking life this year bro life like you think about what happened this this is like you know People don't get up from the things you went through. And here you are now. You're standing. 
and I've never seen you in a better place. It's it's amazing. I don't know how again, maybe deep down there's things are going on, but like just talking to you and seeing you, you know, in the place that you're in. And now you're like I said, you're going to California this week. Yeah. And you're gonna play the whiskey. I, you, I it's like I'm it's so unbelievable that it's so close now. Cause I remember when my first book did and I'm like, oh shit, dude. It might as well. <laughs> And now it's only four days, like three days. Tomorrow I go to work, and then Wednesday I go to work, and then Thursday I get up, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going. You're going. And I'm going, man. And it's just like I have so much to do when I'm there, too. I have a stacked itinerary, bro. Like, Thursday's my birthday, so I'm leaving on my birthday. I, I land. I'm going to see Social Distortion, which is another band that's up there for me as far as inspiration, like inspiration, you know, there's, there's like the, the core bands that have inspired me throughout my musical career. And they're one of them. So that to see them in their backyard is pretty fucking awesome on my birthday. And then, uh, on Friday I, I got the gig and, on uh, Saturday I'm, I'm meeting Sylvester Stallone. Like I can't, that's even mind blowing to me. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to say to that guy. I'm going to probably be a blubbering idiot again, you know, because like those movies, dude, so yeah. many, you know, how many like, times we've watched those movies to seriously, uh, dude, it's a mantra. Rocky Balboa makes people that character makes people when you're down in the fucking dumps and you throw that movie on, you get so inspired, man. Like if you still have a pulse somewhere in that body, that gets you moving, you know? And he, he just throws those life quotes at you. Like so good, man. And like, I just want to thank him for that. I know he's probably heard it a million times, but you know, I just want to say thanks for all those life lessons and, you know, just inspiring me to no end. So that's yeah, but he's be- never heard it from you, though. I mean, I think about it that way. Like, yeah, he's heard it a million times, but he's never, you know, the look on your face and your, how you meant it, and that's, yeah. you know, don't don't say what you got to say. Don't worry about it if he's heard it before or not. In the opportunity, I don't know if I'm going to run into Sly Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, dude, I don't know if you've watched it, but Tulsa King is amazing. I love it. I've been song. meaning to watch it. I, I haven't yet. Um it- it's good. It's uh, it's a role that I've never seen him play before, and uh, it's amazing, dude. Like he's just the older he gets, man. It's just like I don't know. The more special it is to see him on the screen, it's like a treasure, bro. You know, like it's like when they put Clint Eastwood on. You know, as, when he got older in his older roles, every single role that he did, like the last couple of them, were just. One after another that were great, you know, like yeah. Gran Torino, Million Dollar Baby, like amazing movies in the twilight of his years, you know. And, I, I like Trouble with the Curve. I, I watched that one. Flick, man. Yeah, absolutely. That was a good flick. I like that movie. He's got some he's got some good he's ones. I with life lessons, but those are some harsh ones, you know. Yeah, he's always got like it's it's um he's he definitely reaches down and, and gut punches you out of nowhere. I'm not trying to spoil it, but like Million Dollar Baby, dude. I remember seeing that with Sean Block in the movies, and we had to sit in that movie theater for like 10, 15 minutes and just collect our thoughts before we could press on with our night because it was like, holy shit, dude, what the hell did we just watch? I still can't watch. I, it's hard for me to watch that scene still. 
I know, it's, I know it's coming. You know, at the beginning is very inspiring. It's almost Rocky-ish. Yeah. But once, once whatever happens, happens, dude, and it takes that dark turn, fuck it. I, I can't. I don't watch it, dude. I can't watch it. Yeah, there's certain things I, you know, like Clerks 3, I can't. I'll never watch again. It's just I can't. I can't do yeah. it. So, you know what, man? For me, Clerks 3, I, I feel like Clerks 2 ended so perfectly, and he put wanted to put more of his life into this and that's why he did it but like shit dude life sometimes hits you hard and you know well you saw how 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 hard we laughing during that yeah we laughed we were (laughs) very very funny movie man but when it gets serious dude like shit it hits you man yeah i I can't listen to that the black parade song without getting teary-eyed yeah man he Talk about a perfect fucking song for a movie. Yeah. Should have been called The Black Parade. Yeah, thanks for ruining that for me, Kevin Smith, that, that song now. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's hey, listen, we, we talk about life and, and getting older and, and things that we're doing and, you know, doing what, what, you know, really makes you happy and keeps you going. And with, you know, music is that for you. Um, Comedy is that for me in a way. I've kind of gone away from it a little bit. Not that, you know, it's coming back, I think, a little more. Every time I get on stage, that, that itch comes back. See, I, I know it. I saw I about it the other day when you were playing. You were telling me. And I'm like, dude, yeah, man. I mean, like, this is your thing. You do your podcast and everything, and it's your voice. But just like when you get on that stage, man, it's your home. You know, you like that place. Yeah, I did 60 Minutes the other night um, for the first time Iron, in, in years. Iron Man, that's pretty sick. Not doing a gig in a while. Um, I, I did 30 minute, I did 30 minutes last month in, in Tom's river and I did 30 minute sets in Princeton. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, you think only 15 minutes, but, um, I haven't done an hour since before the pandemic and it actually came up on my Facebook memories today. I think the last, one of the last times I headlined, well, on Long Island it was, but I headlined down in Jersey after that, but yeah, doing 60 minutes, it was tough. Cause I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And dude, it's no joke. 60 minutes, man. No. And I could, dude, I got my thing. I play music or whatever. I could never do stand up. You saw me try to attempt it and it was a shit. I would never try to do it again, dude. Yeah. It was bad. It was, it was very, it was <laughs> depressing. It was Clark's three. Barry. <laughs> Barry was from. I was like, "Is there a joke in this?" And I kept going on the drum. Did-dum-tsh. Yeah, that was. I don't even know what the hell it was when Cooter was playing, right? And they they had some like break a lull in their set or something. No, this was we were in the studio for Always the Crash. Oh, and I did it there. You were like, yeah, you were like, I got, I wrote like a stand up back because a guy at work's telling me I got to do stand up, and you said it to us, and we were like. Like, uh oh, we got we got a call. For, he needs help. And you know what? And this is crazy. I always wanted to do stand up. After that, I was like, I can't do stand up because you're always funnier than me. I what do I got to do? Say, you know that? Was like, that's how it goes. Like, I, I I'm never gonna do this. But I, I think you know what it is. You, you the way you tell stories is your strong point in your stand-up because you have a lot of truth to your stand-up and you always go and revert back to, like, old stories and everything. And you're a great storyteller, a great recollection of memory. 
I'm so happy you're in my life because you tell me about things that I definitely forgotten about. And yeah, man, I mean, it's, that's, that's your thing, dude. That's what you do. I was telling a friend about this the other day, like I, I brought something up and she was like, how do you remember that? I'm like, I, my memories are still trapped. I, and you know, dude, you have the sickest memory of anyone I know. And it scares me too, because like dementia runs in my family. Like, you know, if I ever get that one, it'd be like so depressing. Like I'm, Another thing I have to worry about, but like, no, been like Clint Eastwood. Yeah, <laughs> please. Vice versa, dude, too, bro. Like, you know, I can't do it. You have to. No, no, I can't. Find dude, somebody else. You can't, like, stare off and like to the thing, dude. Like, I come talk to you every day. Every... No, <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want to be a spectacle. I'll come talk to you every day. I'll take selfies I'll... with you. I don't want to be fed a cheeseburger through a straw, bro. I'll, like, I'll put that hat on you. You love it. <laughs> No, I won't. I'm getting it tattooed on me. Screw it. I'm going to go Frank Gallagher from <laughs> Shameless. DNR, don't do it. Just fucking let me go into the light. <laughs> so, so yeah, my that I think helps me as a stand-up is, is my memory. And, like, my, my cousin Joseph all the time, too, is like, how do you remember this? I'm like, I've always had, like, a memory where I remember, like, my, my earliest memory that I remember I have is being two and a half years old and going to see my brother in the hospital. What happened? He was born. Oh. <laughs> I was saying, I'm like, shit, dude, that's like close to like, yeah, right. So, <laughs> he was born. <laughs> you know, 41 years ago, Saturday, happy birthday, Mike. <laughs> what? You remember going to see your brother in the hospital? I remember, and I said to my mother, oh, well, I said to my father, I'm like, we're looking at, the, you know, when the, all the babies are. And I said, there's so many Michaels because his name was Mike, you know. And then I remember when they brought him home. Like, I remember like the, him walking in and I was like that baby staring at me. You know, I remember like him. I remember the my parents walking in with him in their in their arms. I remember that memory. I have that memory. Did you want to like mother him or shit? Or, like, no, I used I was I don't know why he even talks to me anymore. <laughs> I was so horrible to him when we were kids. I beat him up. I tortured him. Uh, you know, I the first time he came back at you where he turned the tables. So he turned the tables. I was probably like 15, 16. So he's still like in junior high. I think it was right before ninth grade where he had that mustache. Yeah. Like a, yeah, he was like, he always he tells the boys like he's like I was this this how tall I was in, in seventh grade he was he had like a beard and he was seven he was like he was six foot with a beard in seventh grade. I remember the little league picture. Yeah, so the, but the, yeah with the mustache he was in sixth grade then that was a. <laughs> Dude, that's so great. So I he, I was probably close to being a senior in high school. Um, yeah, yeah, it was definitely see, yeah because in eighth grade I was still he probably let it go I was still knocking him around a little bit. Um, so I was, I was a senior. He was a freshman. I got this new giants hat and I'm like, look at my hat and I'm hitting him with it. Like I'm hitting him with it. And I'm like, you know, annoying him and just, and he just boom, hit me. I fill up the couch onto the hat and I looked at my parents like they're going to do something. Cause he just, he just, he just beat me up and they're laughing at me. <laughs> like they're laughing. Cause my hat's all like. Bent in like 17 different directions. The, it was ruined. The brim was ruined. And he was like, they were like, that's payback. 
That's like that's all those years. Like I go, I get things on uh, when we were kids. Like he's singing, like, "Do you know the Muffin Man?" I'm pulling his pants down in front of the camera. Like I was, I was a big brother. Big brother, yeah, absolutely, dude. And Clap. I and I see it with my nephews, Lucas and Rocco. And I tell Lucas all the time. I said, "Let me tell you from the Ghost of Christmas Future, he is going to knock the shit out of you one day." And he goes, "He never will." He goes, "He's not gonna be bigger than me." I said, I point to his father. I go, that's my little brother. That's my little brother. Um, it's gonna happen. And Rocco is he? They weigh the same. They're two years apart. This is just about, like, about a year and a half apart. Lucas is still a little taller than me. Lucas is more like he's solid, but he's more thin. Rocco is. You saw him over the summer. He's Dude, cut. Like an animal. Yeah, he's cut already at, <laughs> at seven years old. I know. Yeah, you saw him in the pool, dude. He beat the shit out of me in your in, the, in your brother's pool. Yeah, and he hits hard. He he's and he doesn't realize how strong he is yet. And he's a sweet kid, yeah. but he's gonna get to his breaking point, and it's gonna be a whole new world. <laughs> so that's you know, so it's you know Zoe Zoe's lucky she doesn't have uh, there's no fighting going on as far as with the sibling and everything. No. Yeah, because if you had two of them, there'd be a lot of refereeing to be playing. Yeah, absolutely. Man. <laughs> well, thank. You. I'm happy. I'm happy about that, dude. I had the one, uh, the one show, and that was it. You know, I didn't go for uh, for seconds. No, nah, she's a great kid. She was, and it was great over the summer seeing the, the kids play together. Dude, generations, man, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, Rocco, uh, Rocco definitely had a little bit of a crush. I think Zoe did too, man. <laughs> she definitely did because she was asking about the boys, and she's like, "Hey, I want to go." Going to the pool with Rocco and, you know, Lucas. And she had fun with Lydia, too. In the pool, yeah, you know? that was great. Like, I was so happy they all got along and then they played together. I was nervous because, you know, the boys are boys sometimes. They don't, you know, boys don't sometimes want to, you know, hang out with girls. But, like, it was like she knew them forever. They just, you know, and I think that's the personalities and, I guess, you know, like you said, generations coming together. Yeah, it's we de- cool, man. We definitely got to do something else with them all again. Yeah, that's you get back from LA. I got them this weekend. I'm, they're sleeping over. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the first sleepover. They're excited about it. That's cool, man. I hope they behave. Oh, first sleepover at the new place. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, they're... Uh, Anything they're, planned? Um, they want snacks and watch, watch movies. They want to do a movie night. So okay. um, we'll see what time I get them. If they, if they have dinner already, then I'll just you know take them back here. If not, then we'll get something to eat. Uh, but the the thing they really want they want breakfast the next morning. That's what like their their big thing is like they want they want to make them breakfast. That's cool. Yeah, so um, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. I mean, I'm sure it'll be. Uh, we'll sure be I'll, yeah, we pulled my hair out of my head, but um, it, there's nothing better than oh, that. Yeah, it absolutely. In this point, I'm like, uh, I'm like, come on, please try to rest. But you know, it's always like. Uh, they got energy, dude. They got that um, wind-up energy that just doesn't stop. No. They they go, and the little one, too. She's, it's nonstop. It's nonstop. So, but it'll be fun, though. We'll have, we'll have a good time. Good. So, you got this weekend, we'll plug it again. You got the Whiskey in L.A., December 9th, West Hollywood. It's on. It's on. Dream Dreams come true. I mean, think about it. This is... Um, 
Never give up. Even if they do seem unattainable, it's always worth it to invest in yourself, believe in yourself again, no matter how hard life hits, just listen to my boy, keep moving forward. You know, yeah. that's basically it. Well, you think about it, like you said, this, this year could have, uh, like I said to you, this year could have knocked you out, you know, for the count. Yeah, like, no, you know, I, had to, uh, I had to make sure every, every it was like a, it was almost like a puzzle, like putting it together, man, like making sure that every piece was okay, you know, um, getting along, you know, with, uh, you know, with, with Zoe's mom again. And it's like, we're in a good place with that. You know, we took her, uh, we both wanted to, um, experience it together. So we went to, uh, Disney and we did that a couple of months ago and that was a, a great, uh, memory and a great time, you know. I like that. I like when you know what. Just because we couldn't go the distance um, in our relationship, you know, we still care about each other. We just can't live with each other, so we just, you know, we co-parent and put all our focus on Zoe, and she's just going to benefit from it, you know. Yeah, I mean, you guys definitely did what most couples can't. I mean, like I said, things didn't work out between you two, but that's not Zoe's fault, you know. No, that's not. Zoe said something. Because uh, I, you know, I try to talk to her about it and try to be mo- as open as I can, you know. And I just said to her, like, uh, you know, Zoe, it's it's a good thing that you know, like me and mommy are like, uh, you know, we're looking at you and we're putting all our our focus on you and everything. So she's like, I'm lucky, and I'm like, you're not lucky because your parents got divorced, you know. But there's a lot of, you know, little boys and little girls out there that don't have their two original parents that can get along. And there's a lot of uh, bad tension around and stuff, you know, and you don't want that, you know. So no. she, uh, I, I could see it, man. Like, you know, we tried our hardest not to have her affected. And uh, for the most part, you know. Hey, I think you're doing a great job. I mean, this from the outsider. Uh, who I know both of you is, you know, so it could have been worse. I mean, think about it. I mean, it, you know, there was a lot of hurt feelings. You know, it's tough sometimes to put things aside for the benefit of somebody else, even if it's your own child. I think a lot of people when they're in divorce, this is just from an outsider too, because I never was through a bad divorce. I was only through one and it went kind of good. But I think that a lot of people look at it as an opportunity to give a sharding, a shotting, like a parting shot to them just to be like, ha ha, I got it over on you. And this is my revenge on you. Now I'm going to take it and I'm going to draw it out and I'm going to get you for everything that you're worth. And at the end of the day, you're not worth a dollar sign, you know? And I feel like we put all that shit aside and we're just like, look, we don't want to drag this out. We've already been through the ringer with life. We've been to it together. You know, let's just let's just make sure that she's okay. Yeah. And that was good. And you look you at know. it like, you know, she's got this memory of being at Disney with her parents. I mean, no matter how you slice it, you know, together, not together, like most like other kids with their parents, she went to Disney and had a great time with her parents. Yeah, You know, and she's going to have a lot of those memories going forward that, you know, you guys did things together. Because the reality is, I mean, she's, you know, your kid and 
you guys are in each other's lives one way or another for the, that's it. The, this, yeah. So why, why make it shitty? Yeah, I've so many shitty divorces through the years where fist fights, dude. I'm not dropping names, dude, but we were at a wake where there was fucking tension, you know, and like there was a fight at a wake, dude. Like, what the fuck, man? You're going there to pay respect to somebody. There's going to be a fight there. Yeah. On, man, there's got to be a time where you got to shut that shit down and just be like, all right, you know what? Let me uh, let me take my lumps that I got through this press on. Yeah, I mean, I've had family members that have been through divorces that it it wasn't civil. I mean, so, I mean, I've seen, we've had, you know, friends. We've seen friends go through things. Just a a, uh, little uh, Doppler, not a Doppler, just a little uh, bulletin or a little information. Don't ever put me in your wedding party because (laughs) I am the kiss of death. So I've been about 10 or 11 wedding parties. Right now, two are together. That's it. But if I do ever get married, get married, and then the other one, I could have bet both of my balls that they weren't going the distance, and they they're still married. But like, if I ever do get end up getting married, you got to be in the wedding party. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna do it. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna jinx the shit out of you, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to jinx you, dude, and I don't want to put that bad juju on you. I'm just putting it out there that my track record ain't great. So before we, we, we get out of here, somebody wants to know what NZA 6 means. Oh, all right. So NZA came from um, – I've always been a fan of Wu-Tang Clan. I remember so the that, night it happened. Yep. Um, I car. the Wu-Tang, and I would think that uh, I could rap and freestyle and – Ant saw the, the roots of NZA coming out. I We used to listen to, like, uh, the, either the Wu-Tang or P. Diddy when he was puffy. And well, it was in homie's car that night this happened. And we put the instrumental on, and I would just say the most ridiculous rap <laughs> shit ever. I'd be like, yo, I'm the NZA because there's a jizzer and a rizza, you know? And, like, so that's where NZA comes from. So for years, I always went as NZA on myspace and facebook but then by the time instagram came on some other dude got to there before me and put nizza so six is nikki six that's uh that's where i get the six from i also get it because you know for a while i thought i was the antichrist so that's one of my favorite numbers with being the devil's number so six um is my uh my ode to nikki six who's endless uh, inspiring inspiration. That's the reason why I am so excited to play this place finally because I'm a diehard crew fan and uh, that's their home and I always wanted to play it. I got to play CB's where the Ramones did it, so now I get to play the whiskey and that's where six comes from. Yep, I mean, I was there the night that it happened um, and uh, yeah, Motley Crew. And you listened to Motley Crue before it became popular again. Like, everybody, like, it's cool now to like 80s bands. I've never given up on them. No, you were always. Day one that I listened to them, at the ripe age of seven, my brother put that headphone on me, and I got to hear Shout at the Devil for the first time. That and Ride the Lightning Metallica. And then uh, he says it, man. He's like, you know, you were little. I put that on. I used to like it because they cursed and 
uh, they had a song called Bastard, and I, you know, I didn't know my name was Nicholas until I was probably like <laughs> four or five. I thought it was Bastard because I was like, get over here, you little bastard. What are you doing? But And I love that word. So every that, that song, I used to love singing it. And then um, my first two albums that I ever bought were uh, Theater of Pain and Girls, Girls, Girls together at, at Caldor when I was like, Caldor. Uh, wow. when Girls, Girls, Girls came out. So that was like 87. Well, yeah, so that it was it's coming full circle, man. You're gonna be at the whiskey. Uh, I got an invite to Nikki. I know he's in LA right now doing something. I'm just gonna put it out there. It'd be like, I know he probably gets fucking asked to do everything by everyone, but I'm just gonna be like, hey, man, thank you. I'm playing the whiskey tonight. Be my guest, but never know what happens, man. Never know what happens. I mean, life's been really fucking weird this last couple of years, so I could. I imagine that the door opens and there he is. <laughs> so if you're in, if you're in Los Angeles this Friday, December 9th, go to the whiskey, see demon scar, check him out. Follow Nick on Instagram at Nizza six demon scar, demon scar band. And uh, if you just check when they're going to be in your town, because they're an awesome band and there's nobody rocks like Nick on stage. And Nick, thank you so much for being a guest tonight. Um, Great, on the podcast. Man. I know we always stuff out of the basement, you know. Had to keep that crying streak going. So thank you for giving me a, a platform to cry. Well, at least I'm not the only one who cried on here now. So I like it. I like it. It's a little uh <laughs> I, I cry in here all the time. But once again, no, seriously, thank you for being on the show. Best Absolutely. of luck, man. I, I can't wait to hear how it goes. Um hey, I've uh, got we got the film crew coming. They uh they give you a little package of the whiskey, so they're going to film it. Oh, nice. Hey, if All it right. Sounds- <laughs> You're going to put it out, right? It's going to be a... Yeah. Definitely look for that. Nick, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank we'll, you. We'll definitely have Nick back on. We'll catch up with him afterwards. We'll definitely see how that went. Uh, also want to thank everybody who joined us on Facebook Live. Thank you for sticking with us through the technical difficulties. Never easy, but, you know, we are doing this live off the cuff, so... Things can happen. And as always, we are played out by Hollow. We talked about Hollow on the podcast tonight. Nick wrote this song. It's called Something to Believe. Check it out on iTunes. And while you're there, get your Demon Scar fix. Download their music. They have a live album, Live at Beery's. One of the best live bands I've ever seen. Not just saying that because Nick's staring at me through the other portal that you guys can't see. But they really are that good. Check them out. Demonscar.bandcamp.com Long Island, only one place to go for your deli needs this holiday season. That's Finn's Deli, 4646 Merrick Road in Massapequa. Tell my brother Mike you heard the plug on the show and then get yourself at Uncle Cheese, the best sandwich out there. Check it out, finsdeli.com. Bonus episodes available at Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. Check out our new website, www.kmfpodcast.com. You can also go to anchor.fm slash Podcast. And iTunes, five-star rate and review. We love it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. I'll talk to you next week. Nick's making me laugh. Have a good one, everybody.